Hello, and thank you for joining us on Giving Voice to Depression. I'm Bridget. And I'm Terry. More than 350 million people worldwide suffer from depression, but you do not have to have it yourself to be affected by it. Its prevalence pretty much guarantees that someone you care about battles its darkness. This podcast tries to shine some light into that darkness. We're not experts and we're not therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and who are committed to encouraging healthy, healing conversations about mental illness. Hi, Terry. Hi, Bridget. Today we're going to talk to a really wonderful woman named Liz, and we're going to hear her story and kind of how her experience of depression morphed from one type into another type and how that learning has allowed her to help so many other people. Well, that's a great way to put it. That's absolutely true. And, and it's important that we acknowledge that spectrum that people, like with any other illness, can experience it, you know, what we could put in quotes as mildly, and it can be managed, doesn't feel mild when you're in it, but, but can mm-hmm. be managed with medications and with therapy and whatnot. And then there are people at the other end who just never seem to come out of it and who seem unresponsive to pretty much every treatment. We have talked to people who have attempted suicide who are suicidal and this is sort of that uh people who are living with it versus battling or struggling with it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which in no way necessarily reflects the effort put into trying to find a solution i mean some people have truly tried everything yes. and it's not working for them there are some new technologies coming out and you know maybe that's their answer I and so. i look forward to exploring those and sharing what i learn absolutely And let's hear Liz giving her voice to depression. 58-year-old Liz describes the depressions she's experienced as two distinctly different beasts. There are times when I've had episodes of depression that have been um, caused by death, deaths in the family and so on. And those always had sort of a life expectancy. They had a beginning and an end. Liz describes those as grief and PTSD-fueled depressions that eventually she could get out of. These were very traumatic things, and, and those depressions were feeling this pain of, of the loss. I mean, it's a physical thing as much as anything. And then as time went on, you know, that depression started to lift. And it was gradual. It wasn't like one day, snap, I'm, I'm feeling so much better. You know what? Now that I know what the hell it is, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I really am. But she was not okay with the other variety. I had the pull yourself up by your bootstraps depression. And I also had the the chemical imbalance, which I could do. I could pull myself up forever and I'd never get above water. If these wires weren't going to reconnect, I couldn't make them reconnect unless something was able to do that. The something that worked for Liz was a combination of months of talk therapy, which she very willingly pursued, and meds, which took a while to get right, as is often the case. We don't have to suffer in silence. I've always been the person I want to get better, and I'm willing to do all the hard work, whatever that involves. And and I would not be where I am today if I had not done that hard work. It wasn't just going on antidepressants. I mean, I had to do talk therapy, mm-hmm. but I could sit and talk therapy for 20 years And if that depression never got touched. And as clear and vocal a mental health advocate as Liz is, she understands that clarity is usually unavailable in the moment. I didn't know. It took somebody else to see this. And somebody else identified it for me and said, I think think you have depression. And at that point, I was like, I think you're right. 
this feels different. That person recognized Liz's depression because she battles it herself, though she would never acknowledge that publicly. Fortunately, Liz does, and in the pay-it-forward way she lives, she recently noticed changes in one of her friends and stepped in. And I said to her, I think you may have some issues with depression. That friend, who is in the medical profession, was very resistant to the idea of taking meds. But knowing how they help her, Liz persisted. So it took a while with her, and the last time I saw her, I mean, she was at risk of losing her family. I I finally said to her, I said, I hope you can get to the point where you can understand that this is not a failure on your part. If you can trust me, because I've been through this, you will feel better. Find a doctor you really trust Mm -hmm. who will walk you through the journey and know that it's going to be hit and miss for a while. I just saw her yesterday. And she's been on the antidepressants. And it levels the playing field. She's not any different. She's just more of herself without having to carry an extensive amount of baggage is probably a good way to look at it. Beyond therapy and antidepressants, Liz has experimented with and fine-tuned a list of self-care tools when depression's darkness descends. It includes Pakistani music, meditation, acupuncture, and the clear need to get outside. Nature is my healing place. It absolutely is. You have discovered or worked to find so many things you can do for yourself to help. You mm-hmm. know, what are the things that somebody outside can do to support you or to help you when you're in a dark place? For me, I think it would be being present and, and checking in. And this is just fantasy. Uh, you know, have someone come say, you know, let me just come and clean your house. You know, something like that. That's something I would do for somebody. And that's something if somebody offered to do that for me. But when you say check in, do you really just mean a call? If I asked how you are and you said, not great. And I said, you know what? I've got a DVD. Do you want to watch a movie? Yes. Yes. Those kinds of things. But they don't require us to sit and say, what's going on? It's not a therapy session. It's not a, it's just, it's meeting somebody where they are and just sitting with them and being present. And I think that's really important. Just sitting with people, just to be there and not have any expectations in any way, shape, or form. And listen. And listening, I think, I'm going to put that at the top of the list. I would need people to hear me and listen. If you felt like talking. If I felt like talking. Talking. Sharing our experiences. Pulling the curtain back. Acknowledging that when it comes to depression, we're often keeping secret the very same condition people we know are keeping from us. And that's my story, and that's how I am. The more we talk about it, we take it out of the dark. It's dark enough. We can bring it out into the light. And I think the gift that, I think probably one of the biggest gifts is that people who will hear this will understand that they are not alone and that there is help out there, you know? And it's hard and it's dark, but it doesn't, it's not like that forever, at least not, my experience of that. Mm-hmm. It's not a failure on your part, and you're not alone. That's intensely helpful messages. Yes, yes. And, you know, the idea I hear over and over um and have experienced personally that idea that other people sort of don't reach out, don't sit with us, don't listen to us, mm-hmm. um, that being unmet is part of the pain of it. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's another aspect to it where we can 
begin to hone the skill to do that for ourselves. You know, what if we just sat with ourselves and listened to the horseshit that our brains are spewing at us and we listened to it and we did just sit down and and not be consumed by it, but or I should say not be consumed more by it, but just sit and listen to those voices myself. And then like uh, one of the great women who is on Facebook with us, Bia, she said she tells the voices to shut up and sit down. Yes. <laughs> As I get older, I give myself permission to stop a lot. So when I'm cleaning, for example, and I'm not having fun anymore doing that particular project, I know I'll get back to it. So I step away from it. And I do that now with my mind. I hear yeah. myself going, I, I actually like make up things that aren't even real that I imagine somebody's thinking or saying. I have no idea what they're thinking or saying. Why am I like going at it in my head with them when <laughs> it's not even real? Real. Yeah. And I, I literally, I even say it out loud sometimes, particularly when I'm in the garden, and I just say, like, stop, you know, right. be quiet. Right. And now I recently did a medical narration, and I w- it was for a medical condition. And one of the points that it made was, who's your support network? And, and who understands the medications you need to take and, and the treatment? And, and who's on your speed dial that if it really gets bad, you can call and say, I need you to be with me. And I'm sitting here reading this, training the people who are listening to it, thinking, why aren't I doing this for depression? Why aren't I saying, who's on your speed dial? Who, who can you say? Hey, come on over if you can't sit with yourself like you were just describing. And I always do it myself, but I don't know that that's the best choice. And say, you know, come on over. You know, I don't want to talk, but I don't want to be alone either. So it seems like there are ways to set ourselves up uh, to succeed more easily, to survive more easily if we just plan a little bit. And we should probably say tapes instead of voices because... That has such a charge right, to it. Right. I wasn't implying make peace with it. I was implying kind of like look at it, the image of, of Wizard of Oz, you know, pulling that curtain back, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just this weak little man behind the curtain. It's not an omnificent whatever he was, wizard or something. Yes. Um, it's that. It's exactly that. It's like see it for what it is. It's negative spew that isn't even reality-based right. often. And, you know, to just sort of call a spade a spade and pull that curtain back. Not make peace with them. I understand. Big distinction. Exactly. Exactly. And I just love that, you know, because somebody reached out to help Liz. Liz is able to take care of herself. She's able to help other people. That person's life, no doubt the people in her life are experiencing her differently. Perhaps someday she'll reach out and help. I mean, it's just that. I really see it as like linking hands and Mm -hmm. making our chain bigger and bigger and bigger and longer and stronger. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's the perfect way to end. I love you. Oh, thank you. I love you too. We hope that our podcasts bring about a little more understanding or help people articulate their experience of depression a little more. And thanks to each and every person who's digging deep and finding the words and finding the courage to give voice to depression. And you can find our podcasts on our website, givingvoicetodepression.com, as well as on iTunes, where we hope you will subscribe, rate, and respectfully comment. And please remember, if you're hurting, speak up. If someone else is hurting, listen up.